Come and live the enchanted life where time becomes eternity. And you will become a dreamer and dream untellable dreams. Welcome back to the Making of Dharma Land podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chittister, also the co-producer of the Dharma Land album. And I want to thank everyone who has followed along so far on this podcast. This particular episode, episode six, is about the fifth song on the album, Dharma Land Parts 1 and 2. It's the title song. I have a lot that I want to say about this song, so I'm just going to jump right in. It was copyrighted in 1961. As I said in the first episode, there was no folio that said the Dharmaland Suite or Dharmaland on it. This was a title that I appropriated or used based in this song, which I felt was sort of a centerpiece. And also maybe in some ways had, had the feeling of like a manifesto or a gestalt title. It seemed to sort of tie everything together I think it's one of the more mysterious songs on the album and actually it's probably my personal favorite that has changed a little bit over time but this song really remains very deep in my mind and in my soul it, it had a very transformative effect on me through the process and it was a funnel for a lot of ideas that came from a lot of different places both in terms of meditating on and thinking through Abi and his oeuvre and kind of looking around to what he had created and getting ideas from that but also in sort of a you know maybe more unconscious or dreamlike state things sort of would come to my mind with this melody in my head. The arrangement for the song was done by Matthias Unabak of Ixtahuele and they recorded a good chunk of it or at least the, the, the basic backing track in Los Angeles using Abby's drums. Later, in, during the kind of post-production, overdubbing, mixing phase, Joanne Lazaro came in and she plays Native American flutes throughout the album. I've mentioned her in previous episodes. And she put a ceramic Native American carved flute on the kind of opening flute solo the beginning of the song, it's kind of lighthearted. It sort of takes you up to the gates almost conceptually. And then at one point, there is this moment where it just seems like the flute sort of just flushes you into this other state of consciousness. And I really wanted that to be powerful because after that, the melody changes a lot and the arrangement has this kind of layering of repetition in terms of rhythm and the underlying melody but then it seems to just sort of drift and drift and drift deeper into into dharma land and via Henrik's metal flute so I, I felt like that was that that moment where the ceramic flute comes in really is where the beginning of the journey happens the gates open and now you're in this this world and that allowed all of us to flesh out what the world looked like in sort of abstract musical terms. When the original mix came back, I want to say in January 2020, it had maintained the, the underlying rhythm, which Matthias took from 
the Eden's Island track trade winds, and then you know m the more boilerplate exotica instrumentation was added to it. But somehow it seemed very monotone, and it didn't really go that many places. And so I sort of studied the original mix at that point pretty closely and tried to come up with ideas for where it might modulate and crescendo and sort of draw out some of the emotional qualities in the music or that are kind of implicit in the music, make those a little bit more explicit. So the first thing I thought was we should add some kind of chanting at the beginning because there was already the trickling water and the water phone from Emil Richards. And so it, it just seemed like it sort of being at the gates was almost like being at the gates of an ashram or something. And you don't really know what it is that you're going into, but you, you know, you're ready to, you're at the point in your life where you're ready to have this experience. And I had suggested to the band that we get some Tibetan monks to do some kind of Om chanting. And Johan of Ixta, who was also the co-producer of the album said, no, Brian, we're not hiring Tibetan monks. And I, <laughs> I thought it was funny. I, I went looking for a sample that we could pay for or something that was public domain. And I think I found a few options and put it on the beginning when I went out to Los Angeles to, to rework the mixes in February 2020. And at that point, we, again, like all the songs, opened up the mix. There was a lot of sort of masks and pinging back and forth to try to make it sound using computer technology like a 1961 studio and it was like let's forget that and just try to give this the proper space it deserves and think of it more as a, as a sort of dramatic canvas than as something that has to cohere to certain rules of retro or certain technical rules and so at that point it became much more of a mood piece or a pictorial work and the first thing that I thought to do was instead of it just continuing to repeat for four or five minutes, which is how long part one is, every four to eight, maybe 12 bars, there was a floating flute that kind of kept a melody moving throughout, but the backing track wasn't really going anywhere. It was just repeating. And so I had the idea to sort of mimic the section of Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells, where he actually has a voice sort of announce what instrument's being played and then it plays a little bit. I, I, I sort of like that almost transparent aspect of like, here, let's go behind the curtain and tubular bells, you know? And then so that was something that I wanted to do and I got in touch with Orange Crate Art again and he gave us some textures. Joe and I added some textures at his home studio. John Weiner, my co-producer in the Eden Abes documentary helped me concoct some really wild bird and jungle sounds and then there was a, a moment where I was listening to Trade Winds and you could hear Emil Richards on the original track play the mallet instruments marimba or vibraphone like it was like a, a, a bell on a little dinghy that's or a yacht that's coming into shore or whatever and I like that kind of cheesy, I don't know, pre-yacht rock <laughs> sound effect on Eden's Island. And so instead of doing it with a hard hit marimba or whatever, I thought, let's actually use a bell. So therefore you're using a bell like somebody who's bringing a boat slip into, into the dock would do 
on their boat and also it gives a little bit of an homage to tubular bells so that's on there and originally the mix that I worked on had those things just kind of playing one time so there's like a tablas played on synthesizer and there's other instruments the, the bells and the sound effects and whatnot and then Joe came up with the idea well if you have it once you should have it again so then it wasn't like tubular bells at that point where you just get one little instrument playing or being demonstrated or having a solo but instead they they kind of weave in and out but you know the main point of part one was definitely to get to make you feel like you're going deeper into the world of Dharma land and also I like the kind of circular spherical sound of it I don't like things that are too jagged I think squares are more associated with the conscious mind and circles and roundness is associated with the unconscious mind and this is definitely a song where almost also like I mentioned before the the Piper of the Gates of Dawn chapter of the Wind in the Willows having an influence on some of the tracks here this one's definitely one where you feel like hearing the flute has the potential to sort of erase your memory and usher you into a state where you have to sort of succumb to your surroundings and not overly intellectualize things and so I feel like it was my role in conceiving this and co-producing and working with the band and working with Joe on the mixes to come up with to go through all of the intellectual kind of rigor that it needed so that that didn't have to be present on the track and the mix itself that the track would have gone through all of the sort of the mental exercises that it needed to be before it was executed and finalized I don't know if that makes sense but that was that was my goal was to really have it be extremely well conceived but have it also feel like it was totally organic and natural and and kind of otherworldly part two we sort of moved around the the wind and the sound effects and all of that a lot to get it right but but I think it feels good now the way it sort of flushes into part two which features a clarinet flute obligato by Henrik Magnuson Avixta and Mort Weiss who worked with Abby in the 1950s and then a, a short clarinet solo by Mort Weiss the melody itself actually went through a lot of different permutations it had started out as part of a pre-nature boy song suite that Abby wrote called The Suite of Life. In a few different sections actually this melody sort of popped up in that kind of long long form suite and then it, in 1949 Abby did a demo of it where he retitled it and made it more of a pop song and called it A Maiden Fair. After that it got recycled as rock and roll symphony I think part one or part two and then finally it became Dharma Land part two I think it's a really fun way to sort of send the song off it's to put a lot of energy into it they played it live at a, at a speakeasy show that that they did in Los Angeles during the sessions and everybody seemed to really enjoy it and I, I love Mort's solo I, I remember they asked him to do something blue for the solo of, of Dharmaland Part 2 and after he finished he said I really tried to play in kind of a 
Semitic way. And he said, you know, our heritage is, uh, is pretty much the same, and yet we're fighting over God's Adonai versus Allah. He says, it's just ridiculous. And then he said, he looked at me, I was, I was actually filming the session, and he said, I, you know, I'll save the speech for the Hollywood Bowl. And unfortunately, Mort passed away before any live performances of the album or those songs could be performed. But he did live long enough to see the album come out, and I was able to visit him and give him copies of the mixes all along the way and keep him involved, so that was really special. I really loved Mort, and I miss him a lot. That's about all I can think of for this one. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one.